0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders. My name is Miriam McLemore, and I'm an enterprise strategist with AWS. I am thrilled today to have as my guest, Joanne Olsofsky. She is the CIO at Salesforce. Joanne, welcome. Thank
1: you, Miriam. It's great to be here today, and thanks so much for inviting me to do this.
0: Thrilled to have you. Can you share with us just a little bit about your role at Salesforce? Sure,
1: happy to. So I'm uh, the CIO for Salesforce, as Miriam mentioned, and our team has responsibility for all of the internal technology and operations, uh, every gamut of it for running Salesforce. So clearly we use a lot of Salesforce technology first and foremost, but we also use awesome partners like AWS to execute our technology vision. So we handle all internal aspects globally, worldwide, supporting our 50,000 plus employees so that they can serve all of our customers.
0: Great, now, Joanne, you had, looking at your resume, a bit of an atypical rise to CIO, the first to graduate from college in your family. Could you share a little bit about how you got started and how you got to such an interesting position. I guess my career is maybe a little bit different from the from the
1: get-go. Uh, my family and I are immigrants coming to the United States uh, in the 70s, and we immigrated to Miami. Uh, my mom's Cuban, my dad's Jamaican. I was very young when we came here, and we all kind of came one by one. and. Um, you know, we grew up in Miami, we didn't have a whole lot. When we came to the United States, we kind of came with our suitcases. And so that was about it. And we didn't have, uh, I didn't have the opportunity for a mom and a dad that financially could put me through school. So I, I worked my way uh, through an associate's degree in electronic engineering, working multiple jobs, trying to get myself through school and help my parents. My dad actually died when I was 12. Uh, he was ill. And then uh, my mother, who was previously a homemaker most of her life, you know, pretty much when we came to the states, she had to go to work, and uh, worked, you know, several jobs. And so we kind of helped each other. I was the last of four kids to grow up, and my brothers and sisters they uh, did not have college degrees. I was the first one. And my mom and dad, when he was alive, was really passionate about schoolwork, and that I should work hard and study and that I should, I could be anything I wanted to be, and I should um, just, you know, make the world my own. And they used to tell me, I asked them when I came to the United States when I was little, I was about eight or ten at the time, and I asked them why we were moving to the United States, and my mom said, because it's a land of opportunity. And it really has been, and I know these days it's hard to think that that's so, but it really is so. I worked hard, I finished my associate's degree, I got hired as a technician working for an AT&T subsidiary at, you know, uh, in Florida, making $6 an hour, Woohoo! It was so awesome. I was so excited for that $6 an hour. And uh, then I had a leader there that kind of took me under his wings and became a mentor. And AT&T at the time had started a tuition reimbursement program. So he said, why don't you go back to school and finish your degree? And you know, you've got a great career ahead of you. And bear in mind, I'm in my you know, early 20s at the time. And so I went back to school. I finished my bachelor's in business because that was what they were reimbursing for at the time. And I finished an MBA, got a master's in project management. And my career then started just going. I I moved from a technician's role to an engineer's position to a project manager. And then another leader had an idea, you know, you could be really good managing people. Have you ever thought about coming into IT and working in the IT department? And back then it was called the MIS department. And so I became a IT people manager And then I uh, had another opportunity to actually move to GTE and I became a director. I ran all Lan-Wan services internally for what was then GTE, which then became Verizon. And then I had an opportunity later on to actually move from Florida and move to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to become the assistant vice president for a company called BNSF Railway, which was then purchased by Warren Buffett as part of Berkshire Hathaway. And BNSF, for those that don't know, it's uh, one of the largest North American freight transportation networks. And uh, I ran all telecommunications for the railway because uh, trains need voice data video to be able to move. And so I was actually hired to do that as the AVP. And then about 18 months after getting there, the sitting CIO decided to retire and I was offered the CIO role. So I became CIO in December 2007 uh, for BNSF Railway. And during that journey, I became a senior vice president taking on some business functions as well as IT and we actually implemented Salesforce and had a mobile-first, cloud-first journey. And so we started on that journey and that's how I got to know Salesforce. And then I joined Salesforce in uh, February 1 of 2018. So that's the real fast version
0: of the career history. <laughs> wow, what what an incredible career. And it's interesting you mentioned Warren Buffett because I was uh, with Coca-Cola for many, many years. And of course, Warren Buffett is a very familiar name. If um, you've ever worked for Coca-Cola, so interesting connections that we find. Um, you know, I'm sure you're asked, I'm, I'm routinely asked by the upcoming generation, kind of tell me about your career, tell me about, you know, what I should strive to achieve, what worked for you, what were those kind of key pivots that, that you took or, or decisions that you made that made the difference? What are some of the advice that you share with young people?
1: You know, I I spend actually quite a bit of time, uh, even uh, in the middle school, high school era, um, with children and kids growing up and trying to uh, help them to see how a STEM-related career is an awesome career. And so one of the things that I do is just try to get out in the community and talk about how STEM fields are... I mean, I've had just a great career... I have four kids, I'm able to juggle it all, and uh, you know, we have our ups and our downs, but, and every day is a busy day, but it's a fabulous field. I think if I had to give some advice, I would say, um, you know, figure out what success means to you, because success is very different for every lens and for every human, you kind of have to think about what's important to you. And I had a goal, I wanted to be a director one day, and that was my goal. And uh, I guess I've gone a little bit past that, but you know what, uh, I, I had some great mentors along the way. So I would say another piece of advice is, you know, you can learn so much from others, both what to do and what not to do. Um, and be curious, stay motivated, uh, know what drives you, know what's important to you. I kind of always say works great, but it doesn't love back. And so remember to stay grounded, Um, be open to change. I guess I was always a change agent, you know, challenge status quo uh, and keep, keep, you know, challenging yourself and helping others along the way to learn to grow. And remember that networking is a two way street. You know, you don't just network because you want something, right? You network to get to know people, to learn from others. That should be the goal. And so I would say, you know, build relationships. Remember your reputation and your credibility will follow you for the rest of your life. I kind of always say I applied for one job in my life and that was when I was 19 and I applied for the technician's job that I mentioned earlier. And every other job that I've had actually has been a shoulder tap or a phone call where somebody said, Hey, you need to talk to Joanne. And it's amazing how doors open because people want to work with you. So don't be a butt, be a good person and help each other along the way. And, you know, good things will happen.
0: I I think that's terrific advice. And, you know, in some ways, similarly, I. Through my journey at Coca-Cola, I never had a job that existed before I held it in 26 years, right? So it was a lot of shoulder taps, seeing the white space, being willing to step into the unknown. I often tell young people, right? You're not maybe going to be able to paint the road for five years. So be willing to take a risk, step into the unknown.
1: Absolutely. You know, the answer is not always laid out in front of us. And sometimes we're the ones that make the answers and we create the journey. So you have to be willing to not have all the answers and just
0: take a leap. Absolutely. I love that. So you came to Salesforce from BNSF, so very structured railroad um, environment, I imagine, to, you know, a, a startup type of feel. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition? Yeah, it. uh, I mean, definitely
1: I spent my career, you know, working for AT&T, GT, Verizon, and then BNSF Railway. You know, all companies that have been around for, you know, well over a century, highly structured, um, clearly, you know, highly unionized, highly regulated industries. And uh, yeah, you're right, you know, just super structured. And here I am at Salesforce. Uh, I would say, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're all trying to do some things very similar that is the foundation of all of our companies, right? And luckily all of those companies really supported the core values similar to Salesforce. So equality, you know, um, serving customers, uh, leaving the leaving the world a great place and, and trying to deliver good things to help the economy, to help our nation, to help our country, to help the world grow. Uh, delivering innovative solutions, challenging status quo and, you know, certainly Salesforce, of course, uh, like AWS, you know, uh, disruptors in our fields, right? And, you know, you think back to the telecom industry and even the rail freight transportation, disruptive once upon a time in their fields as well. But uh, clearly the pace at Salesforce is pretty quick. Uh, and we move fast. We are scrappy. We are very creative. And Salesforce has been around for 20 years, but clearly exponential growth, you know, the last five years. So, you know, there's some things that are quite aligned. You know, we all serve customers. We all have an end goal in mind. We're all meeting, you know, our shareholders needs and our commitments. A lot of those things are are pretty similar. We all have to deal with them laws and confines of regulations and things that we all have to deal with. But what gets really different is the pace, I say, the pace of impact, the pace of innovation, uh, the willingness to challenge status quo. Uh, I mean, we move super quick, take a look at COVID, right? I mean, we delivered work.com, we delivered Salesforce care like super fast, like blazing fast. And uh, we, we just, it's in our DNA to just challenge everything and humans make rules. So let's, let's challenge it and let's get going. We don't, we don't let a whole lot of obstacles kind of get in our way. And I would say, you know, that's probably a little bit harder with companies that are a little bit more structured or have regulations that they have to, you know, really make sure they're following. So it's definitely a different world, but clearly cultural aspects of care for people and equality and a lot of those things are pretty well lined up.
0: Yeah, I love the, the value driven nature of Salesforce and very, very similar to what I've found at AWS and Amazon is, you know, having those leadership principles that really ground everyone. I have, you know, the opportunity to work all over the world and it is those values that create the, the community because you all understand and operate from a single playbook. So love that. Um, You've mentioned COVID and, you know, the need to move quickly in COVID. Can you share a little bit about some of the things that your customers are experiencing? I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to AWS customers and how they are changing their speed of decision making and, and responding quickly to employee needs during this pandemic. So, uh, you know, this is my first
1: pandemic, uh, and I know it's many of our listeners first pandemic let's hope it's the last right um, and you know I'll be honest uh, this has probably been you know one of the most challenging times of my professional career um, probably more for the human impact than really the business impact uh, because we're so heartfelt with so many people that are you know dealing through this with their families and just worldwide obviously the deaths and, and the illness uh, you know that just breaks all of our hearts. So there's definitely this huge human impact. Um, But, you know, in times of crisis, uh, the one thing that, you know, we always remember too is why we're here, right? We're here to support our people, our families, or what we call our Ohana. And we're also here, you know, we exist, all of us, to support our customers and to support our communities and our employees. Um, You know, that's just been the top priority um, there's no roadmap for any of this. I think for most of us in our generation, and, and you know, I've been doing this, you know, IT gig for 30 years, and you know, this is my first one. There was no book, you know, there was no, there wasn't a script, there wasn't a playbook. We kind of had to figure it out. And even if you thought in your business continuity plan a pandemic, did you really take it all the way out to say social distancing, everybody works from everywhere tomorrow? You know, <laughs> I mean, right? Exactly. Uh, there's a Right. There's just there was no roadmap, and so we're all figuring it out together, and we're helping one another. Uh, the CIO community is an amazing community. We spend a lot of time together across all industries, and really trying to figure it out together and help each other. I think it's also impactful for CIOs because uh, we're at the table now. You know, We are at Salesforce, for example, we have an exec steer co that is leading through and we meet daily on what's going on. We go by every city, every country, uh, employee impact, community impact, business impact, and we're diving through this to figure out how do we need to adjust our response and, and, and it varies by country, right? Because the impact came in, in, in a bit of a waves. And so the good news is we're all helping each other and we're all trying to, to learn how we can provide support as CIOs for technology so all of our companies can operate. And every company is different. I was very fortunate. Salesforce is born in the cloud, as we say. Uh, and so we were able to kind of flip on a dime. We already had about 10,000-ish of our 50,000 employees that work globally from home or work remote. And, but we had to flip to say, okay, the rest of you 40,000, go home or go, you know, you need to work remote and what have you for your own protection. And so being born in the cloud, we were able to do that with a moment's notice. I mean, it was super easy. I know I have colleagues in other industries and even in my former lives were probably wouldn't have been so easy. You've got, you know, legacy environments that you have to deal with. You've got desktop computers that maybe was your standard, not laptops. Salesforce is all laptops, all mobile, all cloud. Um, you've got maybe a legacy PBX that your call center is running off of. You have a you know, on site PBX, on prem servers, you weren't, you know, able to scale. You know, some of the CIOs I talked to said, you know, all of my employees don't have an email address. You know, they didn't need it, right? And now we need a way to communicate and all of those things. So, you know, I would say from a Salesforce perspective, we're Pretty fortunate to be on the high digital end of the spectrum. Did we have to do some stuff? Yeah, of course we did. Uh, you know, we had ample VPN capacity, but we decided, my team and I decided, you know what, let's let's ramp it up. Uh, so we did do that. Uh, we also, leveraging AWS, thank you, we uh, were able to do that with software change. Within hours, we were able to increase our virtual desktop capabilities for our partners because we leverage partners all over the, all over the globe. Uh, we leverage uh, virtual desktops when we're converting M&As and doing some different things and part of our staging process. And literally within hours, we just ramped it up and we were, we were cooking and we were ready to go. You know, Mark Benioff said, I want you know, video conferencing for every employee. I want them in on all hands, 50,000 people tomorrow. Okay, no problem, <laughs> right? So these are the things that the, the Salesforce pays, right? That you, you move really super duper quickly. And uh, so we had some things that we had to do too, but I, you know, honestly, I was pretty fortunate that uh, uh, being born in the cloud, it's amazing what you can do with scale and with partners like AWS.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it is kind of fascinating how fast companies are having to pivot. I had the opportunity to visit with one of our customers in London. They had just built out a brand new trading floor. And then within a week of the pandemic, they had created a remote trading floor. I mean, some of the things people have had to do to you know, maintain their business and figure out security. And certainly, as you said, being cloud enabled um, already made that a lot faster. Um, But, you know, the rise in e-commerce and and ordering has also followed with a rise in call center needs and being able um, to reach out to your customers. I know that Salesforce recently you know, create an integration into Service Cloud for Amazon Connect. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, happy to do so. Um, So we are super excited because, again, you know, Born in the clouds. our Service Cloud, um, we use to run our call centers. And then, of course, we're partnering with Amazon Connect. And we implemented for 3,000 call center agents like that. uh, We are Completely virtual, completely remote, and by the way, this was all, you know, in in progress uh, before COVID. And so, you know, we were so grateful because uh, our prior environment we were having some reliability issues with uh, was a different uh, supplier, and we have completely converted over three thousand call center agents. They can work anywhere. And the support has been amazing from a customer support perspective, because let's face it, you know we're all you know, striving for this all digital world, but sometimes customers just wanna talk to somebody and there's sometimes no substitute for a phone conversation with that customer. And to be able to service our customers from anywhere between Amazon Connect partnering with our service cloud Magic just happens. The performance is amazing. The reliability, the the capabilities, the functionality—it's uh, it, just been game changing.
0: Absolutely, and and thank you for for that. I, you know, find getting our partners and working closely with our partners to to solve customer needs is one of my favorite things about the the role that I have at AWS and and working with such important partners as Salesforce. You mentioned a term that maybe all of our viewers aren't aren't familiar with called Ohana at Salesforce. Can you share a little bit about what that means and how that connects to um, Salesforce's focus on diversity? Sure. Ohana
1: for Salesforce is family. Uh, you know, we have, uh, of course our blood family that we're born into, and then we have an extended family. And so, you know, having spent many years of your life with Coca-Cola, I'm sure you can relate that you've built such huge relationships with people that just become your family, and that's what Salesforce views when they say Ohana. We we take care of our Ohana, and by the way, our family is also extended family. So our customers, our partners, people that we care about, our community, uh, you know, certainly all the people we work with day in and day out are a huge part of all of our lives, and we work really hard to take care of and protect and help shepherd the values that uh, Salesforce, as you hear us talking about, for example,
0: diversity and inclusion and equality for all. Yeah, you know, in these um, challenging times we're operating in, I find that trust and transparency are absolutely key uh, to working with your employees and working um, with your teammates, your extended family, as you described. Can you talk about um, Salesforce view on on trust and transparency? Sure. Salesforce is probably the most transparent organization
1: I know I've ever worked with in my career. Uh, I think there's probably two f- sides to trust. One is the, you know, it's number one, Salesforce's number one priority is trust. And it's certainly my top priority as well. So, for example, when we say trust, we're thinking about trust of our systems, trust of our com- company data, trust in being transparent with our employees, uh, with our stakeholders. You know, if you mess up, fess up, and let's figure out how to fix it. We are, you know, quite transparent in that way. And then I think personally, on the human side of things, you know, when you think about trust, it's kind of building and maintaining and shepherding, you know, relationships. Um, If you don't have trust, you don't have anything, right? Uh, Do you want to work for a boss that you don't trust? Of course not. Uh, and so I think we kind of really focus on building trust by being open to new ideas, being honest about intentions, you know, being straight up, playing it forward. Um, if you don't know something you say, say, so you don't know, uh, like I said, if you mess up, fess up and, uh, you know, we help each other to turn every experience into a learning experience, even if we do mess something up and we're going to mess stuff up every once in a while as humans, right? We're, we're going to make mistakes, but. I think all of that, you know, is part of trust. And I think probably another aspect is to seek out, give feedback. We're very uh, open with giving each other direct feedback. We have a feedback app that we you know use if we want to do a quick recognition or have a dialogue with somebody. Um, and even we just finished our great leader survey. So for example, our employees, give us feedback as leaders on how we're performing and how we're doing. You know, it's all part of the, the trust cycle and ensuring great communications. It, it just makes a great place to work and a great culture.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And I think it's absolutely critical, especially in these challenging times where people are working remote. Um, Transparency is absolutely huge. You know, any advice based on uh, your background and experience that you would give to executives that are trying to navigate these times?
1: I think these are certainly, you know, um, amazing times, unreal times sometimes. Uh, Probably if you asked our grandparents, they would tell you the same thing, I I keep thinking. I think what I would say is, you know, be intentional. And for example, with diversity, you know, um, make sure you're intentional on fostering an equality driven culture, an equality based environment. Um, set out your vision for whatever that vision might be, uh, whatever's at hand. And at Salesforce, we use what we call a V2 mom, vision, values, methods, obstacles, metrics, and it drives our strategy, it drives our thinking and a lot of what we do. With COVID, we created a V2 mom to say, how are we gonna respond to COVID? Let's stop for a minute. Let's figure out what our vision is here. What are the values that are gonna drive our decision-making? What are the methods and how we're gonna accomplish something? How are we gonna measure success? And that kind of drives, you know, how we how we perform. So you kind of have to, in the heat of crisis, take a minute to to figure that out. So being intentional, I think, is is really really important. Um, and goal setting is is super important. And 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 getting the team to be, you know, we're all paddling the ship in the same direction. So we're all in unison. And and when somebody isn't in unison, then hearing what they have to say and why, because they may have a very valid point. So a leader many years ago used to tell me, you know, people need to use these and these more than they use this. And I think that's really great advice. You need to look and listen a lot more than you're, you're yapping, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the other thing I would tell people is, you know, honestly, remember what good there is in the world too. I know there's a lot of, you know, stuff going on, a lot of things that we're all dealing with working remote, um, our families, our, our, our parents are maybe all over. We have extended issues. I have employees and friends who have gotten sick. Um, So much stuff going on. We have an economic crisis, a social crisis. We have a lot of stuff going on. It's a lot on a human to bear but don't lose sight of what good there is. There's a lot of good in this world. Um, Think about the people you work with. Think about the people I work with. I mean, there's so much goodness and so many people, honestly, in my career that have been uh, just heroes in my life that have helped me uh, with guidance. And when I messed up, sat me down and said, Hey, let's talk about this, right? And here's, here's what you need to do to course correct all those. That's all goodness. So don't let some of the, the stressors in our life today blind us to what
0: goodness there really is in the world. Joanne, thank you. I think that's a, a great note to close our discussion on. You know, there is all, still some good in the world. You, you tell such an inspirational story. I, I know that, that um, young people and executives all the way up will appreciate your sharing and we certainly do appreciate the time that you took thank you thank you
1: so much i appreciate the partnership i appreciate your time and our collaboration uh, just moving mountains and just making the world a better place digitally